And now, Touch My Bass Productions presents The Shootout with Bill Lynch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Shootout. I am your host, Survivor of Pain, Bill Blanchard, and tonight we got a very, 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 very special guest. Hot and live from the indie scene, I've got, I have got the one and only, Billy Johnson, a.k.a. Ryan Reigns, straight out of the Shooto, and live Ryan Pro Wrestling, and Film Wrestling Federation, if you can believe that. We're going to talk about a lot of great days, and how he broke into this business and everything. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Billy Johnson is here live with myself and my and the co-host of this show, the legend himself, Christopher Dwayne Dickens, the CEO of Touch My Bass Productions. Billy, how you doing, boss? Pretty good. That's uh, quite an intro I got to live up to now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Hey, I'm just glad to have you on the show. I, I know we've had our differences in the past, but hey, it's in the past. It's years ago. I'm glad we could do this thing, man, be professional about it. And hey, man. I, I love to work with you sometimes, dude. Well, I'm not getting raped up at once, twice. You know, you never know. But yeah. um, let's get let, let's get right to it, big man. Um, I, I tell everybody, don't be afraid to say, say what you want to say. Okay, the shootout. You can say how you want, how you feel about promoters, about wrestlers. I call this good old fashioned wrestling therapy, dude. Anything you want to talk about, we're gonna try. We're gonna try to touch up on everything. All right. So let's get right to it, my, my friend. Ryan Reigns, Ryan Reigns. Everyone's got a story where they got their start in this business. How did Ryan Reigns break in professional wrestling? Well, uh, I went to school with a few guys who actually started with TWF, and you know, went to school with Chase, even, and asking. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I just kept asking them about the wrestling they were doing, and uh, finally went out there to a show, and that's where I actually got to talk to Chase, Madeira, Jimbo, and uh, the parents weren't too keen on the idea, so started out as a referee, and then one day I decided, you know what, let's just start training. Let's just go ahead and get get it going. So uh, I worked with Kevin uh, Dietum at the time, worked with him for a while. Uh, there was just a couple of day sessions with just me, him, and one other out there. And uh, that evolved, and Magnum would come out like my second or third day, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm ready for this. But uh, got through it, started training with them, and it goes from there. What was your first match? You know, when you first when you finally stopped refereeing, you started training. You know, what was your first official match? Who did you go up against? The first match was a 17-man gauntlet battle royal type match, where uh, four people were in the ring at all times. I don't know if the match actually finished because that is one of the mo- more infamous moments that anyone in TWF probably knows with the uh, burning table spot. So I, I was one of the first four, and I got eliminated, I think, by uh, Dustin Knight pretty early. So I don't know if the match actually finished or if it's still going technically, but that uh, was the first outing. No footage anywhere of it, unfortunately. 
when, when I first heard of Throne uh, Wrestling Federation, I know you guys had a rival at the time with uh, Flatline Championship Wrestling. That was all those rivals back in the day with AWF. And I mean, I'd be at Christmas Place and everything, and I'm seeing all this cool stuff with Throne. Now, were you part of that whole package? You guys are doing co-shows with uh, Flatline Championship Wrestling? Uh, I worked a few shows with Flatline, but not on a regular basis. Um, usually when they needed enhancement talent. So, didn't really get on that boat too much. What's your overall opinion of Flatline? I mean, not, not necessarily Flatline Pro, if I familiar with nowadays, but back in the day, they're known as Flatline Championship Wrestling, working with Eric Milford and Daniel Mays. Any thoughts about those guys and work with them, or even Brandon Parker for that matter? Well, I didn't really work with Daniel as much. He, we really never crossed paths too much besides the casual, hey, how's it going? And then keep going. But uh, Brandon was pretty scary at the time. So I kind of tried to stay clear, but at the same time, keep on his good side. And uh, working with Eric was pretty fun because, you know, got to hang out with him a little bit during the time. So it was fun. I wish I could have been there more, but it didn't work out that way. Well, during, at the same time here, if I remember correctly, there was another wrestling promotion out there. Um, you know, myself and Chris Dickens, a few our guys got involved with it, started doing business with. That's with uh, Timothy Blackman, his wrestling for Jesus. I could have swore, I could be mistaken. I remember you being there at an Allendale show, like before they kind of closed doors for a little while there ago. But what were some of your, what were some of your thoughts of WFK at the time? I know Throne did have some uh, issues with him at one point. The only thing at the time I knew about WFK is they uh, they 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 basically caused TWF to form, and we were looked at as the demonic wrestling pretty much compared to them. And I just knew that there was heat between Tim, Chase, Madeira, Kevin, Jimbo. I, I don't know. That's their story to tell. So, you know, out of respect for the guys that trained me, I didn't go, didn't ask about it, stayed clear. But uh, after a while, um, they buried the hatchet of sorts. And this was around the time they were doing the movie project. And yes. they went out to the boneyard some stuff like that and it opened the door they actually went back to Russell and yeah I went to the Allendale show just as a fan and uh, watched it and the next time they did a show I ended up working the show so I, I did get a couple of WFJ shows in yeah I think that Allendale show was actually uh, Bill uh, our last show with WFJ uh as a cohesive unit, so um, that was actually pretty. Yeah, good. I did. You know, that was our last show. It was it was special. When things were starting to get good, I was supposed to work at Angle with Team Money and everything. It was supposed to, you know, I was kind of really getting started. You know, then the match didn't go the way I wanted to because somebody didn't show up supposed to be there, and I got thrown into a kind of match myself, or I got eliminated by J.C. Walker. That's your ass, man. Did you ever had to run into J.C. Walker? I got a lot of respect for that guy, man. I had a lot of good time in the ring with him, training purposes and. You know, I was just, man, we just had a blast. Until we got in the ring, you know, I lost what we tore the house down. But uh, you're in here running for J.C. Walker. 
I mean, I've had a couple of matches, like Fatal Four Ways, stuff like that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Nothing real major, you know, talking in the locker room, stuff like that. But nothing, nothing too extra, really. That's cool. That's cool. Well, now let's do a little forward here. You know, I know when you left, um, I know WFJ folded. Eventually, Flatline Championship Wrestling folded. There was a promotion down there ran by Charlie Anarchy and, and Thompson, Georgia, and SWF. I think they ended up folded. But all kind of folded at the same time. And then AWF was still holding on by a thread of a dream, still trying to continue on wrestling. And then you uh, you would, uh, I believe you're part of the Dell Shore group, along with Jim Kurtz and the other guys came on down there. Now, how did you really get started with AWS? I've always heard two or three different stories. So let's go ahead and squash this out now. How did I get started with AWF? Yes. Um, uh, I was hanging out with Dale and Cruz one day, and they were like, let's go out to Harlem. And I was like, well, okay. Because we just did a show in Swainsboro, I think it was, where we went with Relic. And so we pretty much did ended up doing the same thing there. And that's pretty much how it started because we just – I don't know if he talked to y'all or we just showed up. I'm I'm not real sure, but that's how that happened. There were so many rumors going around at the time, and I can't right now. I can't seem to remember the top of my head. It's between Dale Sherrill and Curtis Diggins. A lot of times, things get told to me in so many different ways, man. But you know, let's go ahead and clear the airway now. I mean, you, you know, there were times when you were want to come get booked. I get told by people. And Chris were backing me up and you were told the same thing that, you know, like, like poor Ryan Rain, and if you're going to get paid, you were going to show up here and wrestle. Yeah, that, know, that actually was said. You know, and I'm like, okay, who this guy thinks he's, you know, who he is? That's what I thought was. I've had so many guys would come to me and said, you know, Ben Chalk said, man, you ain't freaking shit. You're a piece of crap. You ain't going to come and let you freaking take up money. The AWF people that come out there and piss on the ring. And, I mean, Dale Sherrill, a lot of this crap, and a few other people, because I can't quite remember who they were. I remember their faces, I can't remember their names. We all actually had a meeting about it. I was like, just said, okay, let me get Johnson in the ring, man. Let's find out who Tuffer is. I know, and then at the same time, I think you and uh, you and Cruz were having words back and forth online, man. Let's be honest, man. We're all adults here. How did this crap really get started? I have a pretty good idea how. I, I, I kind of put the finger toward Taylor Sherrill because he was an instigator back then. He go tell what guy one thing, but tell that guy one thing for all. I know we're all ready to fight each other. That actually happened with somebody else, <clears throat> James Houston, actually, if I remember correctly. You know, we almost got almost got a one big freaking fight. I was called Dale Sherrill staring the pot up, saying one thing to so and so, and say something to so and so. You know, but let's really on your end, man. What really happened on your end? As far as I know, it was just Dale trying to hype up something that wasn't there. I don't know if he thought it would help the storyline or an angle or what. I was just happy to get ring time at the time. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and he told me about uh, Kevin and Ghosty that were out there. Right, right. And, and so I wanted to work with them, see what they can do. And... uh and that's when I met Pate, James Houston, and you know he was pretty cool. But oh, he's awesome. And My then once I, and once I got there, I noticed that everybody was kind of had this disdain towards me. I was like, okay. 
and I would try to help like give pointers when I was there and nobody would take them. I'm like, okay. So, and there was a lot of times that Dale would go out there without me. I don't know what he would say or do while I wasn't there, but I'd end up catching weird looks when I was there. Now, Christopher, on your radio, what was told to you? I, I remember specifically, you know, it, 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 you, you were upset. As I told you, supposedly it was from it was from Johnson. They say that you ain't shit. You couldn't wrestle. You couldn't wrestle off a paper bag. It, it was something, something to that line. And I know Dale was just, just, just it was in your freaking ear, along with other people. I just can't remember the damn name. It saved my life. Man, I, um, say, I don't want to say it was Pascal, but it was somebody. There was a there was a couple of them. Um, um, Danny Herring was one. Jeremy Cruz was uh, another. Uh, you know, Dale. Uh, and there was a lot of people. And I mean, it, you know, I'm I'm used to the whole point of people talking shit about me saying I can't wrestle. Hell, it, even to this day, I'll sit there and tell you. You tell me I have a five star match. I tell you it was two and a half, uh, maybe minus a half. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty much said. And and Billy, me and you, you we've had our differences uh, in the past, and we've had the uh, online thing. You even got my Facebook deleted at one point. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um wow yeah i mean it, it it was coming down saying you know i couldn't wrestle why the hell should you know billy saying why the hell should uh he come out there and work for me or for awf he, he needs to be paid 25 dollars per appearance because that's what he's worth that was being told to me oh, yeah, and being told yeah, to others yeah. and and you know in the past, it, it, it goes to say that we don't necessarily go to the source half the time. Most of us didn't at that point. Uh, we should have, honestly, should have went man-to-man, face-to-face. But that was what was being told to us, so that's where a lot of the hostilities come from. I think I think one of the other hostilities, too, Chris and, and, and uh, Billy, if we could bring us in, we had Wolfgar on the show about, I don't know, about six months ago, Chris. And yep. he was talking about something happened with his son at the um, – what show was that? Total Fan Carnage. Total Fan Carnage, yeah. Now, I'm in the yeah. back. I'm going over my match with Don, but I was always got told that you were in the ring with the insane clown, wherever his damn gimmick was. You know, the clown was told, you know, when he gets hit, laugh at everything. And we always were told that you took that part on yourself to um to hit him for real because you thought you wasn't selling you just started beating the living crap out. I don't know what really happened after that. I don't know the guys got in the ring. I know Wolfgar was very, very, very upset wanting to get in the ring. And, you know, I'm getting told all the Apple crew at the time, like, hey, this is talk to one of our guys. We get to talk to one of our guys. And, you know, and there was talks of let's get you in the ring and stiffen you up or let's get in the ring or, or, or even ban you all together. I think it's like all the whole, the whole thing really, really got started. And I think Dale – really preyed on that and was saying that, you know, if you want to do it, Johnson, $25 of appearance, and then, you know, we're already kind of missed at you for supposedly assaulting Andy. Now, dude, that went around. My God. I mean, we went to the, uh, what was it, IWA, Chris, for a training session with, with Gary and Tim? Yeah. And Tim, I had no idea Tim even knew this. Tim brought that up in training session, you know, but we're not here to take liberties on nobody. That mother asked for Billy Johnson to get his ass kicked, you know, like, Hey, what the hell are you talking about, you know? Oh, I heard what happened to Angelus. Dude, I didn't even know he even knew who Angelus was, you know? I was just surprised our shit that damn, uh, you know, spread. But, um, but hey, Billy, man, let's, let's give you a chance to be, uh, 
speak up, spin you something. What really happened in that match? I mean, is it true all the rumor Andy Windows, as they call it? Did you take liberties on the guy, or are you just like, hell, you were just getting into the match? I don't know. I, didn't actually, I was in the back. I didn't actually see it. First of all, I'm going to hire somebody as an agent if they're telling you $25 <laughs> of booking. That's more than I'm asking right now. Um, <laughs> no, because, uh, you know, it was me, him, and uh, Damien. I think that was the name. That he yes, used. that was uh, Damien. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was us three, and you know, he was Damien was just there. He didn't really want to work anything out. So I'm like, all right, fine. It was pretty much me and Clown, and he didn't want to work anything either. And I was like, okay, um, do, do you want to at least talk out something? And then he just went off and started playing with other people, and I was like, alrighty. So. I just was just gonna chop him for the match. That, that was gonna be it. And then he started laughing when I chopped him. And I, you see, he didn't. If he would have sat with me while planning the match and told me, "Hey, my gimmick is I laugh instead of selling," maybe I'd understand a little bit. But no, he didn't say a word. Just laughed at it. And I'm like, okay. So I did kick him. At least one time, there might have been more. I don't know. I just remember one, and uh, it was a pretty, pretty stiff shot across the back, and then uh, chopped him some more. Uh, Damien chopped him some, and I'm pretty sure that was about it. Now I know when he's at town with one of our trainers. I know Chris was trying to go over psychology with some of these young guys, and you meet new people in. You got to explain to them, you know, your gimmick. If your gimmick says, hey, I'm supposed to laugh at every single shot. I don't take it personally. I'm just, that should be been my gimmick. That's been okay. But, like, you know nothing about the guy. You got to communicate with the guy. You're getting a ring and you're hitting him. He's sitting there laughing. That's going to piss me off, too. I'm like, okay, this guy's not telling me what, 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 what's this kid do. I'm not here to make a fool out of, you know. And that's, that's my first initial reaction. Well, I and think. The old school saying, dude, if you don't sell, we're going to make you sell. And if I, I yeah, and if I remember correctly, after that match was over, I went and asked him what the problem was, and uh, I think he did say that y'all really didn't talk over the match, and I, I I scolded him for that because it's like you don't you've never worked this guy before, you're supposed to go over this match, and uh, he's yeah. like, well, you know, I, I these are the indie guys, and we're you know as they put it the backyard. I was like, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm like, it's a respect thing. Go over the match. <laughs> They're labeled like backyarders. Ryan Reigns, the Indian guy, he was told, he was told, what was it? Let's see, how did CJ put it? Ryan Reigns was told by Del Show to make an example at his backyard to show what Rue Russell's all about. You know, all kind of crowds being said after that freaking show. When, when Wiggins was being there talking last, you know, a little bit of tonight as well, just some of the other guys, me including. You know, I mean, it, it was a lot of crowd going on in 2010, especially the whole backyard Indian war was going on too at the same time period. Yeah. If you know what happened with Oz Knight shortly after that at the Indian show. Yeah, at uh, yeah, APW in Royston. <laughs> uh, yeah. I do yeah. I do want to take a liberty here real quick, Bill, and I want to I want to hear Billy's wait, wait, side wait. of this um, when it comes to that notion. Um, what was your uh, siding on it, Billy, when it comes to that, when it comes to the Indie war uh, against what they called the Yarders at the time, which what they labeled us? Um, what was your you know, initial place on it. 
Well, I felt like, you know, when I was, especially when I was told about Ghosty and Kevin, mm-hmm. all right, maybe we can help them, you know, because I had no knowledge of how they trained anything. I just saw them come out in their regular street clothes, and that was it. And I was like, all right, well, if you want to take this serious, here's some steps. And I felt like nobody wanted to take it serious, really, except Ghosty, who actually did get geared shortly after. Um, yeah. yeah, he bought some from Charlie, I think it was. And he's one of the few that did take it serious at the time. And so I was more willing to work with him, but I think after the clown incident, it was no more working with AWF guys. It's, I work with my own people after that. So after that, it was just kind of, all right, well, I guess I'm just here to entertain myself at this point. Nobody else really wants to work with me. But uh, I did work with Paul at one point and put him over. So I can't be that terrible of a guy. (laughs) Like I said, man, I think a lot of that had a lot to do with – you know, it, it's wrong on our part. We should have went right to you and said, hey, you know, let, let's talk. There's got to be, you know, the two sides of the story at the time. You know, Christopher and a few other people were saying that, you know, hey, let's bring Dale Sherlin in to be the new head trainer, you know. And, and you know, and we, we started putting our faith in Dale, and we put our trust and faith in the wrong guy, obviously, you know. And I just did it real quick. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, we, we, we got burned bad, and I had a lot of friendships broke up. I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, it, it got it, it got so freaking bad. It's probably a good thing you left when you dig. And like I said, man, there, there's people right now to this day that me and Chris want nothing to do with, you know. And, and a lot of had to do with, with, with what Dale Sherwood was doing. Um, but anyways, man, hey, hey, I'm glad we cleared the air on that. So let's move forward a little bit, you know. You did start a one group, though. I want to bring this up, though, if you don't mind. I thought it was kind of cool, actually. I don't know if you got it from Superman or what, but what's the story on the Elite? You know, I think when I was trying to start a promotion, Genesis, and he was coming out there in AWF, you know, I think I want to say the first time I heard you got to cut a promo about how the Elite is here and we're taking over. You know, I, I'm, I'm in the, at the crowd watching. I'm like, well, damn, the Elite, that's pretty badass her name, you know. Um, so what's the story on the Elite, boss? Well, I am a huge Nexus Mark. So that's pretty much where that idea came from. And me and Coleman were wanting to do this wherever we went. And uh, we got the opportunity to try it out there. And uh, Oz came to us like, hey, if we let you do this, will you take Jay in the group? Because we want to try him at the heel. Well, yeah, sure. And uh, it, it felt good to do it. And obviously, we'd go on to do the Elite and Livewire, but without me, because I felt so strongly in it. And uh, Coleman ended up going over really well as a group leader. So it, it was good practice for us. But uh, I, I wish it, we could have expanded to more areas with it. But what boils down to is I'm a Nexus Mark. Well, I I loved it personally. I loved it personally. Um, 
when you left um when you left AWF. Now let me explain this to you as well. You know, Christopher, I, I believe you were there. All ever had a big meeting at the at the Harlem Arena in AWF. I mean, I know all the Alba crew was there. Oz was there. Caleb Kitchens was there. Jay was there. Don. Oh, God, Chris, you were there. I want to say Charlie was there, too. There were a lot of guys that were there, and your name came up in the discussion. All these guys are telling me they did not want Billy Johnson at any more shows. I'm talking to Caleb about it. I'm talking to Oz. I'm talking to Jay. You know, I'm like, all right. I mean, it's all like an endless decision here. That's when I think at the time I kind of told you we didn't want you coming back out there no more, you know. Then you started live wire. This is how I first find out you start live wire. I'm getting off work. You know, I'm leaving uh, Trenton, South Carolina at the time. I'm heading home. I'm calling on Jay and saying, what you doing? Oh, I'm, at, I'm getting a Russell live wire with Billy Johnson here. Said, Click. Uh, I'm actually hung up on Jay. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, and I called him right back. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And they said, oh, Billy Johnson started a promotion. And we're all here. Where are you working? And I said, well, who's all there? Don. Caleb Kitchens, Oz Knight, and Click. I hung up again. I'm sitting there, I called out Chris. I'm like, you mean to tell me all you guys didn't want to work with Billy Johnson, got one to AWF, and then now y'all gonna go wrestle in the live wire? Chris, like, well, apparently, you know. Then I got told I'm blackball. I wasn't allowed to uh, show up the live wire and wrestling. Granted, Jay and Don and uh, I want to say Bayou Billy was there for mission that too. I showed up there one time. And I think my wife was with me, and I'm by myself. And I was kind of told, I don't think the good news are here. You kind of get Billy nervous. You know, I'm like, all right, cool, I'll leave. And I don't have to let that. <clears throat> but, um, I, hey, what, what, I could have sworn you did, but I'm just sitting there. I got a post by then. I called Chris. I'm like, you know what, Jay and Bobby Billy, I just said, hey, you're making kind of Billy nervous for being here. I don't know if I was eyeballing. I don't know if I was mad. If I was having a bad day. Yeah, I might have me mugging my face. I, I don't know. I was just kind of walking around, kind of looking, kind of debating here. Okay, cool, cool. But I was always thought like, okay, why would all you guys say, y'all don't want Billy Johnson AWF? But all y'all sit there and told me to get rid of him. Two weeks later, y'all ain't supposed to live where I want to work with him. I don't get it, you know. But yeah, but then I was but then I told me I was making you nervous that day. I showed up that one day, and that's why I left. <clears throat> that's crazy. Yeah, where you get that like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, I didn't know about the uh, AWF meeting, but uh, they, they sure were quick to uh, on a spot on the live bar card because the first show was Rant, Well. I booked it, but it was with kind of under the AWA name. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Because I, I was like, okay, was the AWA or the Live Wire or the Live Wire, if you just take it over from Dale, you're working with Dale? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go into that story. That was not the next question I was going to ask you. Well, it was mostly me, and uh, Dale just threw his logo on it pretty much and uh, was the original to talk to the people at Sector. We got in, and uh, we're discussing a next date because they liked it. I liked it, and uh, I think everyone else liked it. So I get a second date scheduled, and Dale's not thrilled because, you know, AWA literally ran one show a year 
and then canceled like four others a year. So that was I thought, more, I thought it was more than that, too, true. <laughs> but uh, got this like a show schedule, and he hit the ring from us, and it's the day before the sh- the second show. We found it, and I was like, "All right, you know what? You don't want to be a part of it. You don't want to help us. You're out." And he kind of just faded off for a little while after that. So it just became live wire wrestling from there. And how many shows did live wire end up doing? I mean, trying to, uh, I think uh, quite a few if I remember correctly. Did all that second seven G or did you venture out other places or? Um, we did Sector. We did the filling station. We did Alter Egos. And then we did a couple of shows that, Alter Ego, wait, no, uh, said that, uh, Video Game Heaven. So video Game Heaven, that's right. I remember Video Game Heaven. We just stayed in the Augusta area. And then the next show, well, China show is in Thompson. So kind of kept it close to the area. Try to keep it close to downtown as possible. But, uh, yeah, we did maybe... The first run about 18, 19 shows, and then the second run we did about five, six shows, maybe seven in 2014. 2014. At all the shows, though, I mean, what was some of the um? Now you've been a promoter slash wrestler. Now you've seen in some. Like you said, you worked your way up through TWF. You start off as referee and you started wrestling. You know, you start working other promotions, and now you're who you are. You're kind of running live wire here. Now you're the promoter side of things. Now you're seeing, uh, maybe on the other side, the other side of the fence of the bullshit and lies of professional wrestling, as I like to call it sometimes. You know, what were some of the challenges you had to do as a promoter versus guys like, hey, I ain't working with this guy, or I ain't putting him over, or when you put the belt on me, or hey, this guy ain't shit, you know, he's like a shit about you. I mean, how, how did you do it as far as a promoter's perspective, or did you have more control of your talent? You're telling them, hey, this is what you're going to do if you don't like it. Hit the, hit the fucking bricks, dude. You know? Uh, luckily, the guys I did work with, I knew who they can work with. Uh-huh. And uh, most of them, you know, were pretty level-headed. But, you know, there were some that I had to cater to a little bit to make sure there was quality talent for them to work with at all times. But uh, for the most part, the talent didn't give me a lot of trouble. Um, th- there were a few instances that uh, somebody refused to work with somebody or they'd spend 30 minutes politicking a match. But other than that, it was actually really smooth. But I feel like if I just went in, and said, okay, we're going to have Ghosty over Anthony Henry. I'm pretty sure something right. like that would not have flown at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, something would have flown. It, it wouldn't have been, uh, you know, Ghosty's <laughs> winning. It probably would have been Ghosty's flying. <laughs> oh, my team. Oh, man. That's good shit right there. Um. Now, me and Chris are usually ask a few people these questions when they come on the show, and it's out of curiosity. When you have so-and-so claim they refuse to work with so-and-so, I know 
I threw one good point about Lavoir. Well, that that's against Lavoir itself. So Killer Rusters have an issue with someone when you have someone that's like a flatline guy. Always hate the AWF guys. Now, have you ever heard any little backlash and talking here? We've heard a couple of, especially between Chris Wiggins and Jay Garganis. You know, we all know what's Chris. That's Christian Fury. You know, I, I've granted granted that. Garganis once told me about it. I'll tell you right now, that's what it was. He said, tell me how he came in one day and Wiggins said, oh, great, there's a freaking AWF guy. This show's going to be shit. You know, and Garganis' turn reply was, you know, hey, what happened to Flatline? Oh, that's right. Flatline is dead, right? You know, kind of all the way actually started. Any recognition of that? Is any truth to that? Supposedly, story being told. Me and Chris, I was wondering if that was bullshit or not, because we even asked Wiggins, and Wiggins just laughed his ass off and said that question. <laughs> between those two, no. I never heard anything between those two. As far as I know, on my end, which, which I couldn't have been everywhere at all times, I never really heard anything between Flatline and AWF. Um, really wasn't anything against us at the time. Everybody right, right. was there to work, and we really didn't start getting friction with the outside world until 2014. Now, when you were still doing Livewire, when Flatline Pro first came up close, was there any um, talks of trying to get something worked out, get something going? Did you get a chance to work with Flatline Pro with uh, Wiggins or anything like that? Or No, I actually went to a few shows. Um, getting my name in the locker room, and uh, right, all, right. and uh, I then went to like three, four shows in a row, and I had a meeting with a venue one Saturday. I had it scheduled the same day as the Flatline show. Did a meeting, went to the show, and um, they announced the uh, March of Champions Rumble, whatever it was called. And if you want to be in yeah. it, let them know. And I was like, hey, I'd like to do this. And he's like. All right, well, I just had to talk to a couple of people, but it should be good to go. And I was like, all right, cool. And see, I'd already had the live wire show booked to come back because we took a hiatus uh, 2013. And right, right. 2012, while uh, I was getting my concussion fixed. And uh, we'll try to not spoil it and like just say, hey, live wire's coming back. But uh, they announced the Battle Royal publicly. And I asked uh, Kitchens, I was like, all right, so am I in? And he's like, no, we decided not to use you. And I was like, oh, okay. And I had a second gimmick. I was like, all right, well, what about this? He's like, all right, lose some weight, get some better gear, and we'll consider it. So I lost 50 pounds, ordered better gear, and they still said no. And all the while, the live wire show, I have it booked up in January, February, ready to go in June. And uh, as soon as they both say no to both things, uh, I go ahead and announce the live wire show. I'm like, well, no, are you sitting on this anymore? I don't have anything else to do. And I guess they took that as, oh, we told him no, so he's going to go play his own game which wasn't really the case. I uh, actually messaged him, Wiggins, that is, told him, hey, 
I'm going to be doing shows again. Um, got his permission to do them. And he said, okay, just uh, don't mess with my storylines or any of that. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. And I tried to work with them on something. Like maybe have some flatline guys come over, have some Delaware guys over, vice versa. They weren't having it. So I don't know. I, I tried to work with them, but they just were not having it. Now, let me ask you this question. Christopher, I want your response on this, too, because both you guys got experience doing this. Why is that, though? Why y'all think other promotions are threatened? And my other friend, Alan Luke here, Bill, I don't you know, you know who that is, but he's got a good knowledge of the game as well. He was such a thing about it as well. But why is it you guys think that other promotions are threatened by another promotion of what to try to do business? It's the fact that are they scared that the fans might like their product better? Or they, or they don't want to acknowledge the competition. Once you acknowledge the competition, then it's there, and then you might get a fan to have to look at. Is it all strictly a business decision? You know, which is it? What do you guys really, really think? Why is it like some promotions, like, nope, we ain't doing business with y'all. I don't even want to mention it. Daniel May, I know for a fact, I stand on two eyes, where it literally hyperventilates if another promotion is mentioned in his locker room, near his ring, during a freaking show. He will literally just spaz out and go nuts. Yeah, Chris, you know that for a fact, too. Yep. So why is that, you guys think? I'll let Billy go ahead and start it off. You know, I, I can't answer that because I don't know. It's not like we're competing against each other in TV ratings. Um, exactly. If anything, the fans win because they get twice the wrestling, and there's more chances for local businesses to jump on and help wrestling itself grow. I'm not exactly sure why uh, promoters are so against working together. I, I get they want to build their own product, but I honestly don't see where it would hurt anywhere to collaborate with anybody. And see, we look at that at the same uh, vision as far as it goes with that. We want to work together and make wrestling grow in the area because let's face facts. Uh, wrestling had been big in the uh, CSRA since uh, the early 80s. So, but what I was told directly to my face, and this was told to me by Eric Milford and Daniel Main and Chris Wiggins, is that they feel like it's the territory system. And when you invade their territory, you're watering down the product and you're making it to where it puts a strain on the wrestling business in general because then you're basically tearing the audience in two and they want to follow the old school mentality of we own this area don't cross this line and don't come into our territory or we will find a way to boot you out and awf dealt with that for years we'd put up a flyer and they would rip it down and then it would be reversed they would throw a flyer up and we'd be ripping them down um and that was what it was we actually had a venue one time and Flatline tried to keep my and try to take it from us or outbid us or overbid us or whatnot. I'm like, God, what are y'all trying to do to us here? We're just trying to freaking wrestle. I mean, from Liberty Park to YMCA gym. And my God, you know, and we tried to warn Don of that too one time. He was trying to do UCW years ago, long before he does it now. You know, and when Wiggins found out, they had to why. And when Rumor Andy Wiggins was, Wiggins went and told him we had a, what was it, a, um, 
a child molester on a roster or something like that, and a white back guy supposed it, or they raised the money up or said, hey, you go and do it at Sunday night between 9 and 10 or something like that, which was just no way we could ever get the ring and equipment set up, do a show, then be out there by 10 o'clock. There's just no way, you know. You, you, you got to do a five-minute match at most, and, you know, and golly, it was it was a lot of crap that was going on at the time. It was, it was a war. You know, don't think we had good, don't think we had going for us good for for a long time over a flat line, which was we were having consecutive shows every single week, and because Christopher so we had an online audience. That's what we were trying to focus on. And two, we could find a venue that we could afford. You know, the problem was between, um, like I said, a lot of it had to do with Del Shiro, put a lot of distrust in a lot of people, and between me and Chris, I had a big falling out with a lot of guys that we're, we're running AWF with, and then, you know, we all we all severed ties, and then. HBF had a had a show since what was it, Chris? March of twenty fifteen or December twenty fourteen, something like that. Uh December you know, twenty fourteen was the last couple. That's why I saw I thought it was December twenty fourteen. Jay tried to say it was with a no Jay, that wasn't A to be a bro, sorry. It was twenty fourteen. And then me and Christopher kinda of did her own thing with a Test My Bass Productions and then that's how the, I thought she got came by, honestly. And here we are. You know? <laughs> here we are, exactly. Here we are, exactly. But um I was going to ask you something else in that same kind of category here. I mean, um, damn it. I hate when this shit happens. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Like I said, you know, what's going on with Livewire now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Now I remember. I speaking of the so-called promotional wars, you know, when me and Chris first heard this, you know, and I was like, damn, that's fucked up, you know? When, when Flatline Pro was closing its doors, you know, for financial reasons, because Columbia County and the whole, um, what was it, concession stand situation, Chris? Yes. Dealing with Columbia County was trying to take it over, saying, probably I couldn't sell their own concession. They were going to sell it. They were losing money. So eventually they decided to go ahead and close up shop. And then we hear the very next month, promotion, um, the promotion called the. Oh, God. Still seven copies. We heard a promotion called Machida. This is kind of funny how this happened. Was going to come the very next month after Flatline closes the door. And I don't know if Chris is online. I think Chris was online doing this. But I mean, who the hell if we get these fucking graphics? And then some guy, what's his name, Chris? Oh, yeah, Billy Johnson. <laughs> I said, I'm the one doing this shit, motherfucker. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Chris, what um, Billy, you should remember this. Um, and it wasn't anything negative towards you. Uh, I didn't know who was doing the production and the graphics for Bushido, and I saw it, and I was like, God, who did this graphics in Paint Shop Pro? I was like, this is, you know, terrible, and you messaged me, those are my graphics, you got a fucking problem with them? I'm like, um, <laughs> yes, I do. I sent you Photoshop, I taught you how to do this stuff, it's got to look a little bit more professional. I didn't know what you were going with at the time, so... um. You know, it wasn't a negative thing. It was, and I give uh, Justin, you know, Hancock the same crap. He puts out something that looks like crap. I'm gonna blast him about it because I, I, you know, pretty much gave him the tools to to do better. So, um, but yeah, uh, I know where Bill's going with this. Uh, <laughs> how did you get involved with Bushido and that whole situation? Uh, what was your thoughts on that? Well, 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 before he answers that, the, the part I was going to add well, go ahead. was, um, the part I was going to add was about Machido 
reading your book kind of kind of kind of thing. That's really messed up. You know, it's kind of like Flatline closed the door the very next month. They're doing a show at the same arena Flatline would do it. But then again, I'm going to tell Christian Wood down. How many times the Wiggins and Daniel May and Eric Milford screw us out? How many freaking venues? You know, where the promotion is, it's taking take it's, it's a business opportunity. That's what I called it. Try to recapitalize on the fan base there. But go ahead, boss man. Answer, answer the question. Bob Machida. I, I feel like doing the Bushido show in Patriots Park was like pissing on the grave Flatline Pro. Because the last few months I ran Livewire, you know, they they weren't very easy to do because yeah. Um, yeah. Um, they tried to have us shut down a few times, constantly talked on Facebook about us. All the while, I'm still sending them fans. I sent them a whole group of Boy Scouts at one point. I'm like, okay. So, so I consider it pissing on their grave. And uh, I'm sure I'll get a message about this later. But um, originally, the Bushido idea, I don't know where it came from. But uh, I was asked if I wanted to be a part of it on the production side of it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, live wire's on a break right now, so sure. And uh, so, like, your 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 involvement with Machido is strictly the productions. You're not really in charge of the uh, bookings or anything like that, or no. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. But just the minimum at this point. And uh, and you know, I took the break from Livewire, and uh, you know, started promoting the Machido flyers and stuff. And about this time, I see Video Game Heaven is working with Don at this point and completely cuts me off from being there anymore with Bayou Billy and Don and all them. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm done there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling that Bayou Billy and Don, what, they forbid you from going to Bill Game Heaven or? Well, mostly Bayou Billy. Uh I'll be honest, I do not remember what happened with him. At all. I remember he was at Livewire. He shit the bed. And I told him to leave. I'm not going to use him anymore. Uh-huh. Besides that, I don't remember anything with him. But, um, and UCW was running there. So I was pretty much gone from video game heaven. And their owner gave me this long, drawn out message about how I didn't support him at all. And uh, I was like, oh, well, that's news to me. And how he's going to move on to UCW. He's going to put on way better shows than I did. And uh, how I shouldn't steal his ideas. And I was like, okay, whatever. I don't know what ideas, but okay. So, wow. That's so news to me. And, uh, and they did their one show that, you know, I mean, this it's out there. It didn't draw very well. We uh, shocked. No, I didn't. I, 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 uh, I told Christopher about this. I, I showed up there, and then five minutes later, I left. I just wasn't impressed that particular environment. Uh, just, 
it just I don't know. I like sorry, Don, it ain't my taste, man. I was still on my on my defense, but I was still very very bitter on what happened with AWF and the wrestling business as a whole. Because Mister Oda having a concussion, well, you know, with some fat ass named Blair, who had a belt that Mister Gargantus had, took upon himself to take the same belt and smash me over the skull with it. You know, side of the head, gave me a concussion and forced me into retirement. I had Russell, I had really Russell since. Um, and I've been training, wanting to get back in the ring. I'm just kind of testing my head and gone to the doctor a few times, you know. And it's always 50 50. It said, your decision what you want to do. But, you know, they just kind of recommended me not doing it, you know. So I, I, it took me a long time to get in a good place in my heart to do anything with wrestling other than doing a podcast. I just recently, you know, was it Chris? Last September? It was last September was the first time I showed up to do a, UCW, and I kind of started doing color commentating for the shows, and then maybe I might get back in the ring with Don and Jay and do something with them, but you know, ever since 2014, man, I kind of, I had nothing to do with Don or Jay for a long time, you know. Jay will tell you a different story about what really happened. Jay trying to say, he just don't want to try to man salt on the ground, you know, but instead he turned around and, you know, he hit me over the head with it, and it cracked my freaking skull, the fact the man never apologized yeah, when he gave me a severe concussion, you know, and never right. thought it took it two years to finally apologize. But you know, that's what you know. That's the whole situation. But no, it was kind of surprising, man. I didn't know how that was going down between you and UCW. I just assumed you just didn't want to work where you're still doing something else. But I know they kind of banned you from Video King Evan the whole time. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Apparently, the owner has started working with Bayou Billy. And he was working with UCW. So, and that kind of just all tied together. And I thought, man, out. Have you ever tried to reach out to to, uh, Don? Yeah, I have uh, talked to Don a few times. Uh, The first time, one of the first shows, I uh, contacted him. Just asked him if he had a card. And he's like, yep, it's booked up. I'm like, okay. All right, then. So I guess I'll talk to you later then. And uh, more recently, I've tried to talk to him about working with him as Livewire and maybe potentially being booked for a UCW show. And uh, uh-huh. he's not having that either. But Well, let me explain to you the reason why. I just found out, which I was going to try to mention the show. I got to mention to you now on the podcast show. And... They trusted someone that ran Bible Pro, and a similar thing. Try to they try to do. They try to go to their new location at the uh, at the uh, church in Grovetown where they wrestle at now. They try to underbid them. They try to try to steal their, their venue from them, you know. And so ever since then, they, they've been paranoid about trying to trust what they consider what they call it, curse outsiders, you know, outside yeah. working with with, working with another promotion only in fear of uh, hell. Hey, Chris, I go ahead and tell them this story. Go for it. Uh, let's, just, let's, just, let's just say this. So the, the odds we label is this. UCW management as a whole, we're paranoid about doing business with Christopher Dickens in fear. Chris Dickens is going to try to come in and take over UCW. You know, and, and it's the same thing that happened with uh, someone that ran Viral Pro. They were going to try to come in and once again take over, either take over UCW or take them to the curb, and they're going to come in and take over their venue. And that's the fear factor of trying to do something with live wire, you know. Granted, it took a lot of, I mean, my God, I, I got told, it's a, 
I want Chris to come in and try to take over your promotion. Chris doesn't want to. Chris just wants to produce and make shows. You know, Chris right. ain't trying to run a wrestling promotion. I mean, am I right, Chris? I don't care to run a wrestling promotion anymore. But what I'm trying to say is, they were freaking paranoid. When they heard Chris Stevens was coming to the locker room, it shook up. It shook up. I couldn't get over how much heat Chris had or how much fear Chris had in some of these guys. You know? And, and Chris, what did um, <laughs> Theory would sit there tell Mr. Alan Luke, but hey, you're in charge of them. I'm not doing business with them. Yeah. You know, because the old crap that was saying how AWF was ended. You know, me and Chris went one direction and Jay went another direction. And you have 24 with Don and Josh Baskell. And they formed a dead reckoning group. And it's like, like going to the indie scene. You know, things haven't been the same since. But like I said, as of last year, you know, I, said, I finally did have a hard to hard talk with Don. I think it was around July or uh, September. We sat down and had a good talk. And I said, Don, we can take, we can take baby steps, man. So what happened was I started doing commentating and, you know, and I'm doing the podcast now. So I, I'm trying to get back into business, but one of the things where my trust is broken, man, it takes a little while for the business, you know, what's going on right now. But dude, I'm sorry, man. I had no idea that they are, uh, you know, I, I, I knew about Wiggins. I knew about what Flatline was trying to do. I knew the whole situation. I was shocked at the whole thing with uh, UCW. Damn. Yeah. I've not been invited. Uh, try to get booked. No, Jay actually told me it would be bad for their reputation to have me. Right. So I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> so did he like, oh, did he, did he, it was just like on Facebook Messenger or something, or yeah, holy, it would be bad for their reputation if they were to book you. I guess they have anything to do with me. Uh, I mean, it's whatever at this point. I'm not hurting trying to get in the ring, but I don't know how I'm going to kill someone's reputation by uh, putting somebody over for eight minutes. But, you know. Christopher, does that sound like Jay to you? I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole because uh, (laughs) (laughs) wow, that's just crazy. The only reason why I say I don't, I have a challenge to talk in and say I don't like confrontation. And granted, he might have said it on Messenger. I don't think I'm saying that in Eli's face. Jay's always like a yes man. Dang. The only person I've heard. So, and they work with T-Man. Yeah. So, yeah. maybe that's what it's about. I don't know. To the next for part two of our sit-down with Ryan Ray, exclusively on The Shootout with Bill Blanchard.